Hello, everybody. This is the Taser Podcast, first ever episode. My name is Dax O'Hare, and this is... I'm Chase Meyer. And this is a podcast that we're hoping that becomes uh, one of many. Um, this is our first of the year. We're going to be talking about 2020 recap, other things that went on during the year, mostly about Texas Spikeball, Texas Roundnet. And um, this is just a quick disclaimer that all of our opinions are not statements of Taser, anything part of Taser's agenda. This is just two guys from the state of Texas talking about Texas Roundnet. Chase, I'm very glad to have you here, man. Um, very excited to have this little podcast. I'm glad to be here. I'm excited to talk a little Taser Roundnet, a little Texas Roundnet. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to be here. Dude, awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, the first thing I, w- I really wanted to talk about um, is really just like the difference of play between this year, like entirely, like the the end of 2019 and the beginning or the end of 2020 completely were like, look like different sports. Like everybody just completely changed. Calls were different. People played differently. Um, what do you think? Like, what do you think was the difference and why do you think like the change of play is really different now? Well, like, yeah, a big, a big part of it is obviously COVID like kind of hit the year beginning of the year and like everyone was excited for another year of round net and stuff. But when COVID kind of hit, it kind of, at the beginning of it, a bunch of people started, you know, getting bored and grinding by themselves or grinding with like the people that are close to them that play that they, you know, only saw like a little bit or whatever. And it kind of really evolved. Like serving was the biggest thing. I think that's, um, I mean, obviously I don't, I think Logan, like he moved to California. So that is what it is. He wasn't in Texas anymore. But, like, you know, the defensive players of the past, I mean, Brian's still playing and Brian's still a great player, don't get me wrong. But, I mean, it really evolved into a big serving meta, which was already heading towards and already kind of was. But, like, you know, the especially the evolution of the reverse cut really, really created a new meta for the sport, especially in Texas. Yeah, definitely. I can tell you when I was, like, living in Amarillo um, and, like, away from Central Texas when all of that gold league was going on i was practicing reverse cut i posted videos to baylor and <laughs> everybody made fun of me but oh. like look at me now i'm like one of the only few people at baylor that have reverse cut and it's really i'm not sure if um, to become not sure if that counts as a reverse cut but yeah we'll go with that <laughs> okay it might, <laughs> might be a low push low push goes past people's knees okay give me give me a little credit give me a little credit <laughs> it's pretty um, good like there is the is the Form of play between California and Texas different? Like in California, do they do rally ball in Texas? Is more serve ball kind of thing? I definitely wouldn't say it's more rally ball uh, in California. I mean, like Preston is is what he is. I mean, Preston's probably still a top top five server at least, but probably in my opinion, still a top two server. So I mean, a serve ball isn't non-existent in California. I mean, Josh Frag. Um, I mean, Caleb Cummings, if you count him as a California player, I know he counts himself as a California player, but it, count him whatever you want. He's definitely, you know, more of a serve ball player. It definitely still exists in California. It's just very different. And between states, I think COVID, uh, you know, not having SRA, having these individual tournaments has kind of shown us the different styles of serving and like how it's developed in each state completely differently. You think it matters like about serving styles? Like, you know, a lot of like the smaller players do the kind of uh, left foot over right foot or right foot over left foot <laughs> if you're a left-handed server. And like Rahul, like he puts his left foot over his right foot and serves with his dominant hand 90% of the time. So does Grant instead of like the the 
fully wide, you, both hands are deadly serve? Do you think it matters? Yeah, I it I, I don't know if it, it like per se matters. Like it's you know it's t- it can be tough no matter what. I think like a good example is like Grant and Ruckel using the staggered stance. Like different stances, I don't think necessarily are different styles. Like I would just say Texas in general as a state for the majority is like just a power. You know they're all about hitting the ball hard. Like as Frederick kind of joked about on the HTR podcast. Yeah. Um, but in general, like. Texas players, they hit the ball hard. You know, Grant smacks the crap out of the ball. Rockwell is one of the fastest servers in the game. Uh, Frederick came to California and cleaned house because he just hit the ball harder than everyone else. Um, where in like places like Michigan, uh, and I would say California as well, more so, um, people are more ambi. You know, they serve. They try to beat you wide on both sides. Mm-hmm. They're not really hitting the ball very hard, but they're cutting the ball a crap ton. It's yeah. just different styles, and I think they both destroy. Like Frederick, I mean, I don't mean I don't mean to out Frederick at all, but I mean Frederick went to Michigan, and um, he, he was, comedically was telling me how how like badly Ryan Marino was crushing him on both sides, and I'm sure Frederick was doing the same to him, but it was just different. He was hitting the ball hard and past him, where Ryan was beating him like on the right and the left. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I'm I have the same idea, like. Um, I think the best serve stance in the world is the like both hands are deadly. Like if you if your lefty is good as righty is as good as your righty and you can hit them both equally as hard as fast as much cut, then you're dealing with somebody that is unreceivable, like somebody that is just OP. But like it's so weird to look at because and when I look at the Texas top 100 out of the everybody in the like in the top 10, um, I only see about one maybe two people who really use that stance, like Luke Marshall, Luke Mowry, everybody else, um, um, Garrett Hornick, Nick Nogas, David Louie, Rahul, Colton, all those people, even Frederick, they all do like the little same like stance where they I'm like, use their dominant right hand. I'm like a big believer in that there's not like a particular stance that's better than the rest. It's just whatever, like, like I, I don't think one person can master every stance. I don't think it's possible. Like, for example, David Louie has, like, practically at this point mastered his little staggered stance. He hits a disgusting reverse cut, a disgusting cut. Um, he's one of the best, like, push servers in the world. Like, it, like, it's like if you master what you're good at, I, I don't think it necessarily means, like, one stance is better than the others. I, I definitely agree, but I do think there's, like, I, I, I think there's, like, a correlation going on when, like, uh, the majority of the best players in Texas are using this certain staggered stance. Like, it's just that a lot of players are either conforming to the same ideology or there's, like, they they can hit the ball harder from that stance or they're just not willing to work on their left hand, you know? <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't know. Know. I'm not sure if it's like unwilling to work on the left hand or if it's just the reverse cut has become so strong. That's true. Reverse has become really unstoppable in the upper level. You hit a good reverse, like you cannot get to it because you're cheating for the cut so much. Rahul can cut past your right hand if you're cheating for his best reverse and he can reverse it past your left hand if you're cheating for his best cut. You know, it's, I guess the reverse really has become something that has made the staggered stance really OP. And I can't yeah, really name many people outside the Texas top 25 who can reverse cut. I mean, there are a couple people, don't get me wrong, I know a couple people, but maybe this is why, because the reverse cut has become so apparent. 
I mean, it's it's definitely a reason, and I feel like I mean, I was one of the believers that before the reverse cut was really became a big thing. Like, I don't actually know who created the reverse cut. I do know like there was certain players that definitely like made it big. Like, Ryder is definitely probably the main one people think of when they think of a reverse cut. Like, at least you know maybe not the best reverse cutter anymore, but he definitely kind of pioneered it like widely. Um, and I think like the creation of that, like I was a, before that, like ever was introduced, I was kind of a firm believer and we didn't really need to change the sport. I liked it how it was. And I believe that serve receive and defense were always going to catch up. But now I'm not so sure I believe that anymore. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Uh, it's actually really frustrating how Ryder Riva has only been playing for maybe less than a year. And he's been <laughs> such a, like a insane serve baller in the sport. Like, I don't know. Is that true? Dude, I keep um, hearing. That. Is that true? Like, I know Preston was saying it in the video, but I didn't. I thought I couldn't tell if he was joking or not. Like, is, is there no I way? I heard him say it too, but I mean, like, I haven't seen him play the sport in any other. Like, was he registered for any other tournaments? I haven't seen him in any big, any big tournaments. Preston, I really don't know. Also, I mean, I think he has been playing less than a year, competitive round net at least. Well, I was gonna ask the same question about Gabe. Yeah, no. New Jersey like is Gabe probably is one of the best serve ballers in the world too. He joined he joined the uh SRA uh Facebook group in like June of this year. <laughs> so Really? Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Just like some of these people are just coming into the sport and just like serving out of their mind and that's really all they need. But like we shouldn't be preaching to young <laughs> players that that's all that you need to do. No, but, like, that's the best way to create breaks in the sport right now. Like, it's the easiest way, the fastest way, and the and really the best way to create breaks in the sport. That's why I guess, I guess the top 10, or if you want to be a top player, you really have to be a certain baller. Well, you, you could say that, but then you, like, if we look at our own top 10 in Texas, you start thinking about, you know, people like uh, Nick Noguez and Luke Marshall um borderline luke mowry i'd actually say luke mowry has a pretty solid serve and and luke marshall as well but i definitely would say like these players are you know they're good setters they're good hitters and they're great defenders that about anybody in the top like five you know like sure rahul yeah. hits the ball so hard on like just hitting not serving oh Rick doesn't right and sticks to win uh, and game. i and i wasn't taking like away from other people in it. i was just saying like i mean nick noga specifically is probably um, I'm not sure he's even like a top 15 server in Texas, but I think he's unanimously a top 10 player. Maybe maybe some people have him like top 12 or something, but I think he's unanimously a top, you know, a top player in Texas without the greatest serve in the world. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Nick Nogas is definitely in my top 10. He is oh, Nick Nogas is a beast. Game, um, based on like defense completely. He he like tries harder than I've ever seen anybody try. And it really <laughs> works for him. Like, I was playing him during Texas Nationals, hit the ball as hard as I could, as low as I could, and Nick popped it up perfectly because he has so much focus and so much determination in every game he plays. If you haven't never played Nick Noguez, he puts on this scary face every time he tries to play. You know, he, like, he like <laughs> focuses his eyes and, like, gets, like, a real big face. But that's because he's so athletic and, like, so, like, willing just to get the ball. Like, that's why he's such a a great player to have if like he's playing next to a serve baller somebody to create breaks as nick never gets broken 
it may, maybe is that the meta? Like kind of CS does the same thing. Like uh, PJ is just all around like a really great player, really good serve baller. And Sizzik really just doesn't get broken. You know? Yeah, CS is CS is kind of a tough story since we haven't seen him in so long. Um, and then, and I think it's tough because in the past when they were you know three time champions or in a row champions, they technically still are since we didn't have a season. But um, you know when that was the case, Tyler Chizik was also like a top server at the time. Like people's serves weren't developed still. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong, Chizik is still a great server now, but like he was still getting aces. So I'm not sure. If like just him not being broken now with PJ getting the breaks, would they'd still be a top team? I'm I'm not sure where they would really land right now. Yeah, um, I don't. A I don't team like know. that. But I, all I do know is that I completely can get behind that this season has turned into like a season of the serve ballers. You know, all the yeah, people, all the I would agree. have gotten their fundamentals down, have just developed their serve, perfected their serve, and valued and valued their game around their serve. And while having their other game, like, already pretty much developed. Would you agree with that? Uh, I would agree with that statement for the most part, yeah. I think um, serving is unanimously the most important part of the sport right now. And serve-receive as well. Awesome. Yeah. What? Okay, so I want to go into a, another topic. Um, we're um, th- Since this is, like, the end of the 2020 season for Taser Roundnet, um, there's been a lot of cool moments that have happened. Like, there's been the moment that where Ethan, I, I don't know if anybody remembers the Ethan and Frederick versus Dylan and Rahul in Round Rock, where Ethan was just completely, like, giving it his all. In the finals, he was, like, limping. Like, completely limping. And the balls would go as far as they could. And the whole crowd was, like, going, oh, wow. Like, when the, he was diving for balls. Like, he just had so much determination. That was a cool moment for me. Uh, another cool moment is when me and Grant uh, beat Rahul and Garrett in three in the Halloween tournament. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. Not to toot my own horn. Um, I mean, yeah, that was pretty hype. I was, I was like, sitting at home because I didn't go to that tournament. I, like, looked down, and I saw, like, Matt Cole text the Baylor group chat. Oh, my gosh, guys. Dax has done it. Dax has, <laughs> Dax has beaten the juggernauts. That was that was really exciting. It was really awesome, but also that helped me to realize that Grant is absolutely an insane server. Like oh, Grant's serves are just incredible. I could genuinely talk about Grant serves all day, and they just keep getting better too. Like, oh, it just yeah. doesn't stop. Oh yeah, definitely backhand. Like he can do about anything. Like it's just incredible. I don't and, know what I don't know what the percentage of that backhand he has like getting on is. But I, I swear when that thing gets on the net, it's 100% serve, like an ace. 100% an ace every oh, time. Oh, yeah. I, I've only seen a couple of people up it. And one of them has been Fred, but that's because Fred actually gets to play against Grant frequently. Yeah. I don't think anybody who plays against Grant frequently can really receive that serve. Grant, if we're wrong, <laughs> please uh, correct us. Please, please come <laughs> message us or something. He's <laughs> but... just going to message us because it's because you guys are bad. Can't receive yeah. my serve. That's true. That's true. We are bad. <laughs> and also in the like the um, in the first tournament to ever have like stats for a Texas Gold tournament. Um, if anyone doesn't know what like Texas Gold stats are, um, we provide stats for every bracket game in a gold tournament, and um, it's really cool to see. If you don't know where it is, you go to 
content on the texasroundnet.com website. And it says like stats right there. You can pick the tournament, pick your player. It's really cool to look at. Um, but anyways, in that tournament, um, everyone fainted. Like not not really everyone, but like it was your I partner did. At one point it got yep. By the way, Chase was my partner. Chase. <laughs> but this tournament got so hot. It went like in the hundred and tens, like hotter than that, maybe. Like it was, yeah. Oh my gosh. Was... And who was um the advanced winners of that tournament? Oh, that was that was the tournament where SA Pinnacle got gold and um, Trip Pearson name? and Katie Pearson yeah. got third. Katie but Pearson I can't, I think three times in that tournament. It was more than three for sure. <laughs> she was. A I beast. saw three, but it was more than that. <laughs> that tournament was so hot, but it was um, really hot. I just want to say, like our own Baylor AJ Hutchinson, like in that tournament absolutely popped off like turned up the top of the rpr charts like aces <laughs> but it might also be because he played us and we were fainting <laughs> in the middle of that that game <laughs> the first and the first and the third game for sure but the first and third games were <laughs> i was not ready for the heat i mean you were bad but i think i actually fainted after that it was bad yeah no I, i'd like to admit that i didn't have any trouble because i wasn't like about to faint but Chase knows that I was hurting. I was hurting pretty bad. <laughs> but like, yeah, that's enough was excuses. Good. AJ did great. AJ did great. <laughs> yeah, no, he did wonderful. He played well against us. And also in that same tournament, Carnage like won that tournament, but they won it because of a triple forfeit. A triple. That is forfeit. my absolutely favorite stat in the world. Is the uh, Caleb Cummings from a Baylor as well. Uh, gets heat stroke or like a mi- mild heat stroke, heat exhaustion, passes like basically passes out. You can see his veins on his chest, dude. He's like getting out. They have to forfeit. Red him and Brad Thompson. Then they go up and they play Butterfingers. Carnage plays Butterfingers in the next match, and to Butterfingers uh, in the second game, uh, Garrett starts cramping and he wants to finish out. And then they lose and Garrett's like, I can't go on. So then they lose. All right, so then they they go on to the finals and then the finals. Um, after a huge, like incredible three-game series, um, definitely the best series of that entire tournament, where David Louie and Nick Noguez triple threat uh, beat Frederick and Kevin Bailey uh, in three in a really long, like 35-33 last game. Nick Noguez gets a double ace to end it, super hype. But then David Louie, like in the heat and stuff, gets into the finals and he just can't he can't go on because he starts cramping because of the heat. And so they get there. Carnage gets a triple forfeit win. Rahul and Luke Marshall. This is my favorite thing ever to bring up. Yeah, I remember watching that tournament live. And right before Nick, when he before he double aced to win the entire like series, somebody said on the live stream, um, if somebody's gonna have to win this, it's gonna be uh, Fred breaking david or david breaking fred because like no one was switching spots fred was already always serving to david david was always serving to fred because there was no like breaking of one of another <laughs> and then nick nogas took the ball like broke kevin bailey with a with a cut that kevin just didn't up and then he backhanded fred for the win which is so hype for everybody to watch and then immediately after david louis goes to the ground <laughs> I mean, I felt bad for David Louie too because he got better throughout the year. Probably shouldn't, probably shouldn't talk about David Louie cramping. Never mind. Let's. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. He, he can, he'll understand. 
Like, I was going to say, David Lee got better throughout the year, but he started out and like everyone was making fun of him for not being able to finish a tournament. I felt so bad for the guy. No, I yeah. was one of them, for sure, but... I, I, don't, I don't blame him for not finishing up the tournament. It was like 115 degrees, and we were playing on turf. A turf field. That's so rough. Was it turf? Yeah, it was a turf Jeez. football field. That's right. That was, it was so bad. So bad. Yeah, it was hot. I, I was going to say, like, I mean, it's not as fun to talk about, so I'll keep it kind of brief, but I do think it's, like, COVID, and, like, I'm not going to praise COVID, obviously. It, it, we don't want COVID, um, like, to be a thing and all that, but, like, it did, it did, um, in a weird way, definitely help a bunch of players grow, um, which we can get to in a second, but also helped Taser as a organization grow. Um, I mean, like, individual tournaments, you know, um, shout out to Utah Roundnet. Um, no, actually, never mind. Cut that. Yeah, no, uh, no, 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 no. We Utah round net. We we are superior. You said to put that in there real quick. Uh, but no, shout out like you know Utah round net and a bunch of other individuals. Um, great state, late great late state round net, Michigan round net. Um, you know for putting on great tournaments and keeping the year. Um, and everyone in round net involved and in, you know having a great time. But it's it's you know Taser grew and and has become a better organization. Um, at least throughout this year, regardless of the reasoning, and players have grown. And, like, kind of getting into that, like, I mean, there's been some huge developments in players. Like, we kind of talked about it earlier, but, like, I kind of wanted to get into, since we just kind of had the Taser Awards, if that's okay with you, just kind of talking about, like, our the yeah. most improved player and also you as well. I was going to talk about kind of you Aww. and Josh Weinbeck <laughs> as some of the bigger growers. Like, Josh Weinbeck, dude, out of nowhere, honestly, in my opinion, yeah, no, definitely. When I, I I played with Josh Weinbach at the Texas Nationals uh, tournament, and we got a um, platinum bid. And Josh Weinbach, like incredible server, and never gets broken. Like you would never expect it from the guy. He's just like he goes like switches from left hand to right hand, and his lefty is just so good, so good. He hits it on like like about fifty to sixty percent of the time, and his right hand is so consistent. It's just, like, he's a great player. His hitting is so wonderful. His setting is great. His defense, like, he get he got the most touches at that tournament. Like, he is just a one, like amazing player. He has grown so much. I remember when people were debating him and, like, Caleb Cummings and, like, him and other players. But I think Josh Weinbeck is pushing top ten. He's really good, I, really consistent. I was going to say, since, like, the beginning of this year, I think um, there's a couple players that have – just improved like such a significant amount um maybe not even from their previous spot on the texas top 100 but like um you kind of mentioned caleb cummings and and josh together i think both of them are kind of just you know you can have one or the other like kind of just pushing top 10 i mean josh has probably had some more recent better results so maybe josh at the moment would be saying like i would say possibly even like 10 like in there already like he's been he's gotten some great results he's been playing amazing I mean, also, Ethan, actually, I don't want to leave Ethan out of it either. Ethan's been playing some oh, incredible yeah. round as well. They play together, it's awesome. It is a sight oh, to see. They're a great team together. They complement each other really well. And it's funny, I always bring this up to them when I notice, or like when I remember, but like they did not want to play together at first. Like, like not, I don't think, not in a malicious way, but I think they thought they played bad together. And then like one, they played one tournament together and they did phenomenal. And then after that, they just kept playing tournaments together and they kept doing good. And I was like, okay, well. Yeah, no, they definitely need to be keep playing together. That's the one thing in 2021 that does not need to change. Josh Weinbag and Ethan McWhorter need to be <laughs> being partners. 
they're, um, just, like, they're really fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Let's let's keep going through um, some taser awards that you wanted to talk about. Um, another one. What's another one you want to talk about? Um, another one I would want to talk about is uh, just getting through some of like the uh, the top players in each category, as well as the MVP, which we'll get to a little later because it's kind of interesting. Um, our MVP compared to like the best in each category, at least voted on by like you know people inside the community. But mm-hmm. first, we probably want to talk about our like who got the best server award, which is a grant. And like there is some like we kind of talked about earlier in this podcast, there is some competition for best server in Texas, like heavy competition. Oh yeah, no, it's very obvious. There's like definitely in the top five. There is so much competition in there. Like there, Frederick is such an insane server, and I I know you like to say that he is one of the best cuts when he's on. Like when he's on, he might even have the best cut in the nation. Is that what you said? I. <laughs> I would. I don't know if I would take it that far. I would say I watched him come down to Huntington Beach um, at the end of summer when I was about to go back to Baylor with Caleb Cummings, and he came back down to Huntington Beach and he was going to drive up with us, you know, just because he is a good guy, I guess. But yeah, no, he wanted to play some round in California and then drive back with us, which is pretty cool. But regardless of that, he 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 comes down to Huntington Beach. Um, he played with Cade uh, Zorio. And oh my gosh, it was a sight to see. This guy was hitting whatever the heck he wanted to. He he would go back, everything looked the same, and he'd hit either the cut, and it would just, it was so fast. And then he'd reverse cut, and it was just as fast and just as hard to receive. It was ridiculous, and I don't know how you were supposed to receive him that day. Yeah, anybody that but, does um, not know about the Huntington Beast tournament, um, Frederick also destroyed, and I mean destroyed, Preston Buys in Riley <laughs> Like they even say in their video, their highlight video in that tournament, that Frederick was just hitting the most insane serves they've ever seen. Like Frederick, yeah, Frederick was one of the best servers in Texas, obviously. I I think um Frederick is one of the best servers uh in Texas and and possibly even you know pushing um in the world in the U.S. But like let's uh stop giving Frederick so much credit because the actual winner of the award, Dax, was Grant <laughs> Grant Laughlin. No, um, yeah, of course. Gosh, no. Grant, that's just a testament to how good of a server Grant is. No, very, very true, very true. Every tournament Grant plays, like it just it is a matter of like his consistency of serving. I I think I only remember one tournament this year where he actually wasn't very consistent on serving, and that just like says like how much of a great server he is because he we've had about six maybe five majors and like ten individual tournaments where Grant has just continued to show his dominance in the sport. He His cut is so wide, like, people just don't understand how to receive it. And it's so fast. And what, I swear, when I, when I hear Grant grunt when he serves, he gets 100% ace. 100% ace. It is incredible. His backhand is so deadly. His reverse cut is amazing. Like, Grant can just do it all, and he's a consistent server. Yeah, and then watching like watching him go out of state, like watching him in the Utah tournaments was just incredible. Like I, I think I watched him just absolutely decimate um uh in the not only like the third place game, um, which is the one on, on YouTube and the one that was streamed, but also just like in like every match he played in Utah, like everything was just going by everyone. No one knew what to do. It was just like if he got the ball on the net, it was probably nice. <laughs> Yeah, no, Grant uh, received a third-place finish at um, Utah Nationals. Texas, baby. 
Yeah, no, that's awesome. And second place was also Rahul and um, who was he playing? No, no, no. That was fourth, fourth place, fourth place. Oh, fourth place, fourth place. My bad, guys. Who, who was second place? Uh, second place was Ravi and Gabe, and first place was Boisterous. Mm. And then I, I remember that. Third that and fourth a, were both Texas cool players. Team. Yeah, no, Texas was really representing because that first and second place was really tough. Really tough. And for Texas to even represent third and fourth place. And Rahul and um, who was he playing with? I can't remember. Dan Abrams. Um, yes, Dan Abrams. Rahul and Dan Abrams were playing um, boisterous, and they took him to game three. And they were absolutely, like, on the verge of beating boisterous. It was an amazing game. Probably the game of the tournament. Really cool. Maybe, I, maybe I, close do, to Robbie and Gabe versus boisterous. I think I think it was the game, the series of the tournament for sure. I mean, just watching Rahul um, with the ball in his hands uh, at the end of that was <laughs> super fun to watch. Oh, yeah. No, it's amazing. And Dan Abrams really knows how to hold. And just seeing, like, the defensive touches and the highlights from that game. Oh, my gosh. A wonderful game to watch. It was amazing. It was, it was a great series. Um, if you want to move on a little bit into the, you know, more into the Taser Awards that we just had, I would, like, say we just talked about our best server, kind of kind of talked about um, how good of a player both Frederick and Rahul were as well. But also, I think uh, someone that is starting to get uh, more credit, especially after we kind of talked about at the beginning of the podcast, his previous win is Garrett, who got our best defensive player and best setting uh, setter uh, awards in the Taser. Awards. You know, I had the privilege of playing with Garrett um, because of COVID. <laughs> COVID took both <laughs> of our partners away, and we got to play in the college station major together. But um, Garrett was like, he makes some of the most buttery defensive touches I've ever seen. Like, he is able to just contort himself into weird positions and get the ball up. Like, Garrett is a beast when it comes to serve, receive, and defense. Like, he really knows what's up. And just to say that he's better than, like, Nick Noguez, like, is a privilege because Nick Nogas is really insane defensive player. I actually voted for Nick Nogas in the best defensive player, but like it was actually a debate in my head if it was Garrett or Nick. But Garrett is so amazing, like at just creating defensive touches with body defense and even like long running out for the ball touches. Yeah, I definitely thought Garrett deserved uh, the honor of best defensive player at least this year in Texas. I mean. The man, the man's like I think body defense goes super underappreciated. The man's body defense is is so incredible. The guy always gets a touch like just straight up off his body and straight to his partner, no matter who it is. Um, and then and like on top of that, like I said, he's also got the best setter award. Um, him and Colton, who is his partner this season, both were um, up for the honor in voting. And gosh, both of the just Butterfingers in general as setters were just so incredible this season, so fun to watch. Everything got back to the net, and everything was converted. Oh yeah, no, Butterfingers always played well together in Texas, like including the uh, Houston Major. That was such an exciting uh, series to watch in the finals, which was proud or Dark Father versus Butterfingers. Dark Father was um, Grant and Rahul versus um, Garrett and Colton. And if you you can see the series on the the Taser YouTube, uh, Matt Cole does a great job of going over the game and like going through statistics and highlights of the game. It's really awesome to see. That's also the famous game where Rahul absolutely destroyed a net, <laughs> kicked it across the field after <laughs> Colton pulled off Colton and Garrett. Colton 
and Garrett pulled off like an amazing rundown defensive play where Garrett or Colton ups it from about 30 feet away. Garrett makes a buttery set and then Colton drops it. And then it gets becomes a point. And that point was for game point. Rahul would have won the tournament, Rahul and Grant. And Rahul I, gets so upset and kicks in that across the field. It was amazing to watch. I, I have a specific memory of that happening and looking to it like as everyone's freaking out about the play. And then you can see him. He like pushes himself up and it was like slow motion. He comes and he just whacks the net across the field with his foot. And I'm just like looking to the left at these college station like these girls from College Station that like were just watching, like in just they were just terrified. Like they thought they didn't know what was going on. They looked like they just wanted to run. It was phenomenal. Um, yeah, no, Raul means um, nothing horrible against anything. He like we all <laughs> we all get we all get angry from time to time. That's why Raul is probably one of the best hat throwers in Texas. But it just happened and to not- be that that point meant so much to him, and that just shows his passion for the sport. It was an awesome right. to see. Not, of he not got only for that. <laughs> yeah, well, not only is he the best net kicker in Texas, and not only is he the best half thrower in Texas, but he's also our MVP for the season. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Even though, like, isn't it crazy that he's none of the like the other specific um, attribute award winners? Yeah, like he was up server, defensive player, serve receiver, or even setter. And he was up for best um, best hitter and best server up for the awards. He just did not get them. But I think that it's, like, unanimous that this man is just – he was the MVP. Like, I mean, maybe he wasn't the best – you know, there's definitely an argument in everything. You know, there's an argument for him being best server. I mean, he hits at 100 miles per hour. There's an argument for him being the best hitter. It's super hard to defend. His footwork is actually the best in Texas. He gets around that ball, and he can hit – he might. He could only have two shots in his arsenal, and he's always going to hit one of them perfectly away from you. And there's an argument for him to be, you know, the top in these categories. But he's unanimously the MVP because he had, I believe, what, what was it, four out of six four majors of six. on the year he won, and yeah, he was uh, pretty. Uh, the stats he had real quick, but his average RPR was ninety-five point eight five, and. A good RPR is above ninety, am I right? Like Yeah, and, and even without like like putting in perspective, like it was that was his average RPR, but he also played the most games out of any player in Texas because he was in the most finals. So yeah. like it, it, it it's like not just like that was his average RPR, that's his average RPR over like a ton of games. Yeah, no, that's crazy to think about. He's able to play that consistent over playing the most games in texas like that's just absolutely crazy to me and like this doesn't go anything to say with that he doesn't um participate in serve ball or like good serve receiving because that's what you need to be good at to be able to make it to these finals and his average ace percentage was 21 percent one in every five serves he made ace someone that's incredible that's crazy his average ace percentage is ridiculous at 21%. And also his average put-away percentage at 88%, like rarely getting up, putting away a majority of his balls. And he also rarely gets aced at 5%. 5%. That's, that's yeah, incredible. I mean, he's basically just top five in every category except for maybe defense. And, I mean, he, he, he rotates pretty 
like well on defense. It's just usually his partner is the one that's uh, on the right hand, and he's the one that's setting for it, setting up for it. Um, so I mean, his defense definitely isn't bad. I mean, he's just a great player in pretty much every aspect. Oh, wonderful player! Yeah, no, he he's hands down the most unanimous player for MVP in Texas. Amazing yeah, for sure. I also want to talk about one more award um, before we move on. Um, the best def- or the best um, sportsmanship award um, to Ethan. <laughs> I, I, this isn't Ethan. Ethan about this, this is actually just an Ethan enthusiast podcast. <laughs> I love the man. Everybody loves the man. No, nobody has anything bad to say about him. But I was actually talking to Ethan about this award, and he's like, "I don't understand why people like vote for me for this award because I forfeit every turn, every like consolation. I don't play anybody." <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't really think the award goes beyond like not playing consolation. I think the award goes beyond like actually understanding like people when they make calls and like emphasizing with people and communicating with people and just ha- being like a wonderful player to play with. Like everybody enjoys being and everybody like enjoys playing against him. And that's really the value of the award. And I couldn't agree more that Ethan should have won this award. Yeah, I mean he probably has the least amount of arguments on calls in Texas. Maybe, I mean, maybe that alone should get you the true. award. Maybe true. <laughs> I don't know. If we can get a stat counter for that taser, that would be wonderful. I think that's Most actually arguments. the stat we should probably keep taking. <laughs> Most I'm actually, like, I might not be joking. That's a very interesting stat. But <laughs> <laughs> Most, um, like, lip calls in Texas. <laughs> no, I don't want most lip calls. <laughs> yeah, no. We, I'm we... a bad perpetrator of that. Oh, actually, man. all of Texas is, so maybe I'll be okay. Maybe. Maybe. Lip calls are really insane here compared to Utah, California, anywhere else. Your service have to be... I don't know if it's a... I mean, if you actually actually do want to talk about, like, uh, calls um, and how they differ in between states, I mean, like, like, we don't have to talk about this very long, but I do think it's a super interesting conversation because, like, you know, I'm from California. Say it again? I think we should go into it for a minute. Okay, yeah. I was going to say, like, I I came back, you know, to California, and I've only been here for a few weeks, but, um, and I'm not, I'm not going to call anyone out in a bad way, but, like, I personally, like, I came back here, and I looked like the most strict caller in the world, but in reality, it's just, like, <laughs> at least from my perspective, these, like, are all lips, or, like, I'm, I don't think I'm being strict, it's just, like, if it... It is what it is, and I think that's just because I learned how to play in Texas, and I think Texas is pretty known for being maybe not strict, but like I genuinely feel like Texas just sees it better because that's how we learned, or maybe we just have a different interpretation of what a lip call is compared to other places. A little different theory on why that is. I think it's just because everybody has harder serves here, you know? Like, hmm. just the, in order to ace everybody, everybody has to hit harder serves. And for the harder serves, like, not to lip as much, uh, like, it has to be front pocket. And so everybody just, like, the harder the serve is, like, the more detailed the lip is, the more detailed you can see a lip. So it's just obvious for people to start, like, calling little lips, like, in Texas than, I guess, other places. Maybe other places do have hard servers, but in Texas is very prevalent in how many hard servers we have. I think every, I think, I think... I don't think it's like a hot take to say that people know that Texas is like known for hitting serves hard and hitting the ball hard. I think that's a pretty safe thing to say. Yeah. I agree. Um, 
but I would say like, yeah, I think that's actually super interesting. I never really thought about it like that. Most likely if we just see them all the time, if we see all these lips all the time, it becomes more and more obvious to see them if they're like less prevalent. Yeah, no, definitely. When you hit the think about it, like if you hit the ball harder um, and it comes off the net, like it's going um, to to be like more, it's going to be more obvious. Of a lip. The more power you add to the ball, the more obvious of whatever you're doing to the ball, it's going to be, you know, like if you hit the ball with a harder cut, like you're going to tell it's cutting. Like it, it's just any, any power you add to the ball, it's, you're going to be able to tell like if it's doing anything, if it's a little lip and you hit the ball hard, turns into a little bit a little bit of a bigger lip. It's an interesting so, perspective. I, I like that I like that thought process. Yeah, it's kinda like when you're when there's when you're playing against the wind in golf. <laughs> Anybody oh that plays golf? I play golf. You, you you slice the ball and the wind projects it into a much bigger slice if you're playing against the wind. It happens. Yeah, don't remind me. <laughs> I play right. I want to go into one more uh category or last category of the night. Um, and that's like your predictions for the possible rule changes that could happen in January or February. I know um, Paul came out with like a um, a tweet. Was it a tweet or a Facebook post about? It was a Facebook like, post. Do you remember what it said? Um, from what I saw, I believe it was Jack Scotty, and I could be wrong on that, but I believe it was Jack Jack Scotty that said uh, the. Uh, equipment changes are planned for the season after this season, so 2022 season. Uh, in the 2021 season, there's going to be a rule change in early January, or I believe he said this um, about a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, and he said in a couple weeks, and I believe the, uh, I, I believe it was supposed to be insinuating early January. That's that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, that sports about to change that heavily, you know. So I so I have a little perspective i mean um so i i a lot of people did this so i'm like i'm not saying like this is a special like um insight or anything like that but like i did uh test some rule changes i tested uh the seven foot serving rule uh seven foot serving line Mm -hmm. um with the lean which they started doing um a couple months back um and personally like I I wasn't too. That was probably the out of all of the ones um, that have been proposed. I think that one is the most likely. The front runner. Um, I, I I just don't think barrier is going to happen, and I don't think barrier will be good for the sport either, in my opinion. Um. Yeah. So and I don't I don't think that's going to happen because that feels more like an equipment change, anyways. So I don't feel like that can be. Um. What the rule is this year? Maybe they have something planned. For 2022, maybe they're doing a bigger ball. And I think bigger ball actually is like, depending on how much bigger, like, don't get me wrong, like, very minusculely bigger, in my opinion, is what, if you're going to do it, is what they can do. And I wouldn't be that opposed to that. Or maybe, like, they say, like, there's a new tournament standard where the ball's supposed to be a little bit more pumped. Like, something like that, I'm okay with. But a barrier change or, like, a net change, I wouldn't be too happy with. If they, honestly, if they add a barrier, I'm just going to quit spike ball together. Uh, but. <laughs> But if uh, um, if they do a seven foot serving line, which is what my prediction for it will be, um, I, I wouldn't be like I, I. To be honest, I won't be happy, but I won't be too opposed. I definitely think it'll nerf serving for sure. Yeah, no, no, I agree. Um, like this sport has become so heavily like around serve balling, 
I think it's actually like uh, a mission for Spike Ball to nerf some of the things so they could bring it back to rally ball a little bit more because a lot of people came to the sport because of rally ball and they knew how athletic the sport was, how much fun it was for the rallies to occur. And getting aced all the time is not really a lot of fun. You know, you'd rather have yeah. to work to the point. I agree. I will say, I, I do want to ask you, like, do you think nerfing serving, though, is the way to go for that? Like, because from, like, from the way I see it is, like, hitting is what should be nerfed to uh, increase rally ball. Like, hitting is so OP, and I, I think serving is definitely, you know, OP. It's, like, probably, uh, I mean, offense in general is just OP in, our, in round net in our sport. But I believe, like, the way to actually increase rallying would be to nerf hitting, not to be nerf serving. Because I think... In, in a weird way, serving, like, yeah, there's more aces and there's less action going on, but I think, you know, good serves are actually what creates a lot of rally ball, because, like, if you get a bad touch, it's, you know, it's going to be a, probably a worse hit on the net or a worse set, because it's a bad touch off the serve, and then, you know, defense is a possibility, instead of just, like, getting a set over the net every time, and, like, good hitters are just going to put it away 100% of the time. Um, yeah, um, that's a good question, but I think, like, um, I, I kind of disagree with that, um, respectfully, just because, like, I think that if we, um, nerf hitting at all, that the serve balling will become more OP, because think about a great server creating a bad touch, and then they have to return it with a nerfed hit, and then, like, it just becomes a better situation for a good server, and then when you become, when you become, uh, when it's your turn to serve and you're serving against someone who's insane at serving and you're not as good at serving, um, maybe it's a little easier for them to receive your serve and to return their fit. I think it's just like um, the beginning of the point shouldn't be as impossible. Like serving in volleyball, like it's not as impossible as it is in spike ball. If people can cut it, reverse cut it. Rahul has a 21% ace percentage. I don't know about volleyball um, percentages, but I don't think a team has a 21% ace percentage or anything like that. Um, or even... No, I, I, yeah. I, I agree, and I, I see what you're saying, and I think that's actually like a pretty fair point. I still think, like... Um, I do think, unfortunately, just nerfing... Nerf, sorry. Just nerfing serving, like, won't actually accomplish what Spikeball wants to do, because what that'll do is it'll create... Um, less aces and more one two threes, which, in my opinion, since I believe um, Spike Ball has made pretty clear, the company um, has made pretty clear they want it to be more of a spectator sport, or at least players in the community have made clear they want it to be more of a spectator sport. Um, doing that will actually like increase one two threes, which, in my opinion, are more boring than watching aces. I I completely agree. I completely agree. I do think aces need to at least be still be a part of the sport. But I think if ser if serving is nerfed a tad, and I I also agree that serving doesn't need to be need to be the only thing that is nerfed. I think hitting does need to be nerfed, and serving needs to be nerfed. Maybe serving not that. as much, but I I do think that like twenty percent serve serving ace percentage is insane. Like I, I the ace most of the time is crazy. Like aces are insane aces are cool to watch sometimes but like in volleyball it's cool to see an ace every now and then but if you saw an ace every like point like it wouldn't be as fun to watch and i agree that we need to have more rallies more like ups and and maybe nerf hitting so defense isn't as like useless i i 
like I do, I fully agree with that. I think both need to be nerfed, and I think there's a way to do that. I just yeah. I don't know if Spike Bolts figured it out. I mean, I surely like I'm not knowing. I'm not saying I know more than Spike Bolts. I really don't. I have no idea how to do that like effectively. Yeah. But I I think both need to be nerfed if they want it to be as like effective. If they want it to be more of a spectator sport, then both of those things need to be nerfed. And defense, maybe not defense. Maybe doesn't need to be buffed, but like in a sense, it needs to be brought up because of that. I completely agree. I completely. Germ would disagree with us. Germ has a famous. Oh quote. yeah, defense is OP. Yeah, Germ has a famous quote from the series between Dark Father and uh, Butterfingers, where when oh Colton and Garrett pulled back the ball, he said. Um, on something on the lines of defense is broken, defense is busted, <laughs> something on the lines, and it was it was a hilarious quote, top ten quote, uh, that was ever produced in a taser live stream. But yeah, no, I think um I think that is it for the very first podcast. Um, everyone, thank you for checking in and listening to us ramble about Texas uh, Roundnet. We're not sure how these um podcasts are going to come out or how. Um, we do know that it will be on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, so go check that out. And we don't know what kind of schedule we will be running or even if we'll be the host uh, for the continued future. But we do know that um, that we're trying to continue this tradition of a Taser podcast, and um, we're going to try to do it the best we can. So thank you for stopping and um, talking with me, Chase. Yes, sir, and thank you for having me. That was a fun conversation. I love talking about some taser around it. Yeah, yeah, thank you so much. Um, everybody have a wonderful um, day, and um, thank you for listening to Taser Podcast.